He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have the preeminence. Speak through these lips of clay. Speak to your people. Change lives, Lord, and speak into destinies and speak into our future. Father, let your will be done. Let, let, let your spirit say that it is pleased with the words that have been spoken. Grant me unction. Grant me grace. Grant me mercy. For it's not he that willeth, nor he that runneth, but you who show mercy. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. Thank you for the privilege of sharing your sacred word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I want to thank God for this privilege to share my quiet time with you. And I also want to salute my husband, the bishop. Well, in my quiet time, it's on parting words. Parting, like when you are parting, when you are leaving. Paul was leaving the church in Ephesus. It wasn't that he was going to die, but he was leaving. You understand? Physically leaving. And then he wrote to the church and told them a few things, which I'm also going to tell you. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Amen. We'll read further, but for now. So, Paul had been laboring in the church of Ephesus. And then it came to a point where he had to move on to another field in the work. And so he called for the elders of the church. And these were his parting words to them. And he starts by saying, 
you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. When you read further, you find out that Paul stayed with the Ephesians for three years. Because he said, by the space of three years, I've taught you this and that and that, which we will come to. But he said to the people of Ephesus that, you know after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Which means that Paul had a certain manner, a certain way he conducted himself, irrespective of the different seasons he and the church went through. Amen, somebody? But some of us, we can't say that we know of what manner somebody has been through all the seasons. Because when it's winter, you won't come to church. When you get a beloved, you can't do homself. When you get promotion, it's not going to be well. When things are hard, you will change. When you are offended, you will leave the church. But Paul said, you know how I've been with you. And how I've served the Lord at all seasons. A good Christian is a Christian who stays like Jesus through all seasons. And life will never be one season. Amen, somebody? When you go to Genesis chapter 8, the last verse of Genesis chapter 8. I wish that I should go there myself. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night, shall not cease. In your work with God, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be cold and heat. There will be summer and winter. There will be day and night. How will your work be? Because some of us, our work with God is determined by the season. If all is going well, then I'll work with God. But if all is not going well, then I can't serve God well, Lady Reverend. But Paul said, you know how I've been with you. And I've served with you at all seasons. So whether it's cold season, hot season, you remain constant. These are when I pray for people. I pray, I say, Lord, I pray for the seasons ahead. I pray that no matter what the season, your grace and your hand shall keep them. Because I know that seasons change. Seasons change in relationships. Seasons change in friendships. Seasons change in what you know about God. You are going to discover more and more and more of Him. And it's a changing season. How do you survive in that changing season? Life will never be one. Sometimes in church you are very happy. You say, Lady Reverend, I found the perfect church. As for this church, I will never leave. I know that another season is coming. And I just pray that you will survive that season. In ministry, there are different seasons. There are seasons when God will call you into the quiet. And there are seasons when God will lead you into the crowds. 
will you still remain the same? Or you say, no, I wasn't expecting this. How this change has come, I've also changed. The Bible says he's the one who opens and closes doors. And he does it at his will. Moses was called by God, but he went through different seasons. He went through a season of living in uh, uh, Herod's palace and really feeling on top. Then he went through another season where he was discovered to be a murderer and he had to leave Egypt and all its comfort. Then he went to a season where God said he had called him, but he was in the wilderness sending a few sheep which didn't look like human beings and which didn't suit his season. But in all that season, he didn't lose God's purpose for his life. I have been with you at all seasons. You must be a Christian at all seasons. After the temptations, there will be a lot. What we read, Paul said, serving the Lord in all humility and with many tears. Many tears, not a few. So if you are expected to serve God without tears, you've missed the way there's a diversion. Because tears are part of your work with God. And tears are things that will come your way, whether you like it or not. So ladies Reverend, you cry a lot. If buckets could fill tears, I will have more than a tank. Amen. Because you serve the Lord, not because it's easy, but in the midst of your tears, you serve God. There are times you will read your say, God, it's so difficult. But because you said so, I will obey. If you've never gotten there, then you've never obeyed God. Nowadays, I meet a lot of Christians. Lady Reverend, I said, leave that boy. <laughs> Lady Reverend. I know how to leave him, but it's hard. And I asked him, but did he say it would be easy? I would like to know where you got your information from. Did he say you it would be easy? You see people addicted to all sorts of vices. And then when you tell them, God would have you leave this. I know, but it's hard. Our examination is not hard. It's not hard to wake up in winter to do certain things. Nothing is easy in this life. Ministry is not easy. Marriage is hard work. So if you think that marriage is like a drive-through fast food, you just pick it up and you are going. You have made a wrong choice. Serving the Lord with many tears. If Jesus, the Son of God, wept in the Garden of Gethsemane, and his sweat became like blood, knowing God's will, but how to do it. And if he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass. Jesus who came to say, for this hour came I into the world, get thee behind me, Satan, now you go into the garden. You are saying that if it is possible, let this cup pass. You are not greater than your master. Serving the Lord with tears. I always say that if I didn't know that God had called me, I will not be standing here this evening. 
Because it's not an easy road. And, and when you go through that time, Satan will bring a lot of things your way. That, but, you know, are you not educated? They say to yourself, I'm educated. If you went out there to the job market, will you not get a job? I will get a thousand jobs. Especially now that I'm the bishop's wife. And now that my mates are attorney generals, president of bar association, supreme court judges, oh, it will not be difficult. Amen? And the sister says to you, so why are you allowing them to toss you here and there as if you are a child? Rise up and be counted for empowerment of women. Amen! But to obey God, you will have the Garden of Gethsemane experiences. And when you cry, it means that you are attaining to the level of Jesus. Amen? Because you are binding uh, Peter. He should keep quiet. The cross there, you must go. Now you have come. You say that if it be possible, you are trying to negotiate with God. Why? Because the Bible says, being found in the form of a man. It wasn't easy for God to become a man. It was not easy at all. But he paid the price. Because the father said it was not negotiable. You go through seasons that certain things God will say is not negotiable. And that's when most of you, you take your life into your own hands. It's what the heck. And you don't see God, you see a man. I can't take it anymore, Lady Reverend. Lady Reverend, I'm quitting. Lady Reverend, I'm leaving. Lady Reverend, I'm leaving this marriage. Is really, what did God say about Lady Reverend, this one is not God. You see? This one is not a God matter. It's not a God matter. Serving the Lord with many tears. And temptations. You don't serve the Lord because life is trouble-free. But with it, you serve God. You serve God with temptation. Not outside temptation. With it. Amen. Temptations to leave. Temptations to backslide. Temptations to become wealthy. Worldly. Temptations to follow manifest before God. Temptations to be a serial fornicator. Temptations. But you serve the Lord with temptations. Amen. And that's what Apostle Paul. You have you met Jesus on the road to Damascus, even the road to here? Have you have you met Jesus? That shows us that nobody is beyond certain things which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Amen. Hmm. Parting words. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Amen.
we must not keep back from God's people what is profitable to them. Sometimes rebuke is profitable to you. The Bible says preach the word in season and out of season. Rebuke, exhort, reprove with all long suffering and doctrine. But most of you like exhort, but you don't like reprove. Reprove means correct. Some of you don't mind reprove, but you don't like rebuke at all. But Paul said, I held back nothing that was profitable unto you. And sometimes rebuke is profitable to you. Sometimes reproof is correction. It's also profitable that this thing that you are doing, it is not scriptural. And it is not right. Sometimes it's exhortation. But he holds back nothing that is profitable unto you. And he says that I did that. I have showed you and taught you publicly. and from. He didn't just teach but he also showed by his life what he was teaching. Why is it the church is full of teachings, but there are no fruits? We say we have the Holy Spirit, but there is no even one fruit of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is in you, there will be a fruit. I'm preaching in a card first fire. I said, where is the Holy Spirit? Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, self-control, not other control, self, 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 self. I have taught you privately and publicly and I've also shown you. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they shall see your good works and give glory to God. Where are the works? The only thing we know which is good visitation, counseling, prayer, interaction, it's all powerful. But where are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Apart from teaching, you should also show. Show. Let your light so show shine. But now we don't even have light. The only light we have is what's on our phone. But in our real life, there's no light. And Christians don't want to control themselves. But when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, it's supposed to help us to control Self-control, not pastor control. Your pastor will send somebody, go to a house and see if there's somebody there. Go to a house and see if... I went to visit a sheep of mine. You see, pastors need a lot of discernment of spirits. When I went to visit her, I thought she was, well, one of my best sheep. <laughs> I had brought her near. And then I noticed that she had become very wealthy in a short while. So at that time, we were just at the nursery stage. And I said, oh, the church is looking for a piece of land to build a primary school. So do you know anybody? Oh yes, mommy. I now do land selling as a part of my job. So I can even show you. So I put her in my car, we went to look, whatever. And she said, oh, she has the document. She will come and show me, whatever. And later I said, eh, 
you are prospering very fast. I just thought it was God's blessing. And she said, oh yes, the lands I sell is working very well. And Oh, even when I have something at home, I'll call her. Come and help me. This and that. Then, she was also in my ministry. So one day, I paid her a visit. When I went, a door was slightly open, but she was in the room. She had a one room. So, oh, Pastor, good to say so. Shut the door so that we can talk. When she shut the door, I saw a shirt, trousers, belt behind the door. And I said, oh, I thought you said you lived alone. I said, yes, I live alone. These are male clothes. These days, I like to wear them. I have showed you both publicly and privately. So I said, no, I don't agree. So, mommy, it's true. Argument. So I left it. The night life continued. I just decided that, oh, it's a long time since we had an audit in the school. Let's just have an audit. So the auditors came, audited. Hey, this my faithful shepherd has forged my signature on text. It was not a simple situation. I have shown you and taught you both publicly and privately. How are you in private? Our lives as Christians is not unto ourselves. It's unto God. And the Bible says, all things are naked unto Him, with whom we have to do. So sometimes you feel that, oh, this pastor, I'm deceiving him. I'm, I'm hiding this. I'm, but you see, I was telling my husband that I've come to see that I, me personally, I don't have to sweat. Because God just fight for me. And I, I, I told her, my, one of my favorite verses this year is, the heavens do rule in the affairs of men. That's all. Because we are not what we, we, we seem to be. I'm doing counseling in a church somewhere. Somebody comes and says, Lady Reverend, I came to the church as an innocent virgin. Now they say this my shepherd should send me worship songs to learn because we are in the worship team. As he is sending me the worship songs, he also sends me pornography. I have shown you publicly and privately. And she says, I knew nothing. But when he sent it to me, I said, hey, so is there something that... The church where people should be saved. That is what is happening. Because there are no fruits of the Spirit. Self-control. You watch whatever you want on your phone. You have a click even in the church. You have converts. That as we are bringing to the kingdom, you are also depopulating. I have shown you and taught you both publicly and privately. In public and from house to house. How are you when you are alone? We have to fear God more than we fear man. The Bible says that fear him who after your death has power to cast you into hell. Don't fear the person who can just kill you. 
But fear the person who after killing you has power also to cast you into hell. But we don't fear that one. My heart is so broken by what is happening in the body of Christ. And I said, God, if it isn't me, a sinful person, my heart is broken that when I come into your presence, I can just cry. Then how much more you, a holy God, how do you feel? And on the other hand, it's advancing. Now some people think when they see a pastor, it means whatever action is godly. So if a pastor is standing there marrying two men, once the pastor is doing this and the church says it's okay, then it's okay. But what does God's word say? It's not our ideas. It's not our mind. It's what God says. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, God gave them up to their reprobate mind. That men bend in love towards one another. So when you see people, you don't say, I'm surprised. If you knew Romans 1.28, you will not be surprised. God gave them up to a reprobate. They refused to retain the knowledge of God. So God gave them up. But we don't know why. And we see all these things happening around, but we don't go and search the scriptures daily. In Brazil, it's quite common there. Very Catholic, Catholic society and charismatic, but Christians are. You may not speak it, but in your mind, you feel, oh, the world has accepted, let's just accept it. And I told my husband, I said, I think persecution is on the brink, and we are now going to have to live for our faith. And when that persecution comes, like the book of Acts, that is when the word of God will rather spread. We are in dangerous times. I have my husband, all these people, they sat by us at a round table. The one on my right said, Oh, my wife and I just celebrated our 51st wedding anniversary. And the one across said, Oh, we celebrated our 44th wedding anniversary. So we went to New Mexico with our children and our children's children. It was wonderful. And the next one said, Oh, we had our 41st at some place. So when we came to the hotel room, I asked my husband, so these are a generation in their 70s, mid-70s. The next generation, 60, whatever, I don't see that. I'd rather see four marriages, divorce. But these people, I see the husband of one wife. So where is the next generation? So, mommy, you have asked the question. Where? When I, when I came, asked Bishop Ogwe and said that God, he didn't want to come for that meeting. But he felt that God wanted him to come. And God said, you come to that meeting. It's going to be his last meeting. And he's here to hand over his baton. But to who? This new generation that doesn't want to pay any price. And we justify everything. We don't obey God because it's easy to do. We obey God because he knows best. Sometimes our minds don't even sink with his mind, but he knows best. They search the scriptures daily. Take heed unto yourself. Take care of yourself spiritually. Don't wait for somebody. Even when I was going through this hard time, the pastor didn't call me. Do you know the challenges the pastor himself has? Amen. But take heed to yourself. Feed yourself. Build up yourself. Paul said, by you, beloved, building up your most ho- yourself on your most holy faith, Jude, praying in the Spirit. 
We don't have time. We are like unbelievers. Whenever I go and sit down for counseling, people come for counseling. All their problems and approaches are like unbelievers. Adrian, I need a job. Do you know anybody who can help me? I'm not saying don't use that. But when I was growing up as a Christian, I knew that the solution was faith in God. The solution was prayer. The solution was confession. The solution was not giving up. Bishop Saki's father didn't look after him. There was no scholarship scheme. But he just knew that every time my God shall supply all my needs. Now, this generation, you don't even know the verse before you even apply it. Take heed unto yourselves. Building up yourselves, not somebody building you up. In your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. No matter how your pastor loves you, he, there may be a day he didn't charge his phone. You are calling him. He's also snoring. His phone is low battery. Not because he doesn't care, but because he's human. You too, you have never learned to pray on your own. The only prayer is the corporate prayer we do in church. Take heed unto yourself. And unto the flock over which the Holy Ghost for all of us who stand to minister, we have to know that we didn't make ourselves. The Holy Ghost has made you a shepherd. If you see it that way, then you will not be shaking yourself. Me this shepherd work, I can't do anymore. Me this pastoral work, I've given up. If the Holy Ghost appoints you, you will take your time in your behavior even in the church. But because you don't have any spiritual thinking or processing about anything. So you just say, oh, my pastor called me that I should be a shepherd. Me, I don't think I'll have time for this. But if you see, there's the Holy Ghost that has made you an overseer, a shepherd, or given you responsibility over people's souls. You would rather become sober and say, it's by grace, over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. When I looked at that, I said, hey, then we can't resign when we want to. We can't check out just because we feel like it. But the other comforting part was that if the Holy Ghost is the one making you, He's made you an overseer. It's not just an appointment, but He gives all the necessary graces for us to become what God wants us to become. Amen. Over which the Holy Ghost. So let's depend on the Holy Ghost to oversee God's people. It's not by might. It's not by strategies. It's by the Holy Ghost. So let's spend time with Him and allow Him to lead us also. Over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. And then what is the next thing? To feed the flock of God. But that's what modern Christians do, don't find necessary. We don't think we need feeding. We need prophetic. We need signs. We need a prophetic way. But that they should feed the church of God. Paul, when you are passing, you are saying what they should do. You should say they should move in prophetic miracles. I'm not against it. But God knows that what you need first and foremost is to be fed. To feed the flock of God. In John 21, Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? He said, yes. He said, demonstrate your love by feeding my sheep. Feed my lambs. If you love me, then feed my lambs. And Paul is saying, the Holy Ghost has made you. 
to feed the flock of God. But the flock of God feels they need miracles, not feeding. Recently, somebody said, a prominent prophet told him, he brought a girl, that I would like to marry this girl. And the prominent prophet, whom I know, of said, Oh, no, no, this girl, she's not God's choice for you. So, just sleep with her and let her go. As soon as I heard that, I sat up and I said, Excuse me, what verse, what scripture is the person using that you should sleep with her and let her go? And you are following such a prophetic voice. Because you don't value feeding. Jesus said it's a wicked generation which seeks holy signs. God confirms his word, not hollow things. So when the word is there, confirmation will come through signs and wonders. Amen. I said, as soon as I had, I, I sat up, I said, hey, is that what is happening? So now the word doesn't matter. You got a prophetic word than this. So whether it matches up with the word or not, it's irrelevant because the person said this. So you are looking more at the authority the person stands in, more than God's word. And you have just been led blindly to feed the flock of God. When we come to a teaching service, I'm sleeping. Oh, teaching. I want action. God knows that you need to be fed for the long haul. And you must come to church with the view to be fed. Nobody is above feeding. I was telling my husband in Sao Paulo, I said, I just love to sit down and hear people preach. It's so much nicer to feed the flock of God. The flock of God doesn't want to be fed. I counsel people all the time. Why did you do? Uh, he was a man of God. He said that he has to bath me spiritually, Lady Reverend. I said, okay. For what? For a cleansing. Because Lady Reverend, you see, I was married in the spirit, whatever, and then I now have, I said, if you are married in the spirit, then why do you have to be bathed physically? You have to bath, bath spiritually also. You are married in the spirit, you are not married physically. So why? To feed the flock of God. That's why you shouldn't miss church. Feeding should be important to you. And I'm thinking, ah, Paul, you are leaving the people for good. Later on you see, he says that you are not going to see me again. And you are saying what they need is to be fed. Wow. To feed the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost has made you over and which he has purchased with his blood. That's why Tuesday services are not popular because you don't like feeding. You like Sunday, a lot of activity, short preaching, and then you are on your way. May you develop an appetite for God's word. Amen. To feed the flock of God. And why is he saying they should be fed? Verse 29. For, the word for means because. Because I know this, that after my departing 
shall grievous wounds enter in. You know, I was asking God, so many things happening. We are being blown everywhere by different doctrines. Different, what do we do? And the one I had this quiet, I said, ah, the secret is to be said. He said, because I know that after I have left you, ravenous wolves will come. That is why I am saying you should be fed. Feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. But the church has become entertainment. More entertainment. You are having gym, basketball, anything but the word of God. And we are seeing the results. So everything must be in the church. Fashion show. Gym. It's all a strategy of the enemy. It's a, at this time, they had a fashion price. So the church is also having a fashion price. At this time, it was to choose a queen who will preserve God's people. You to your fashion price. What is the spiritual, prophetic reason? For I know this. You know, and I, I was even telling my husband in Brazil that this verse that I am surprised that Paul still left. He knew that wolves were coming. But he still left. Because he knew that if they have said the word, they will be stable. They will be stable. But when you see preachers of the word, pastors, you feel they are not important. They are not. You know, once I went to a very prophetic church. And I went to a prophetic church. He, the offerings were not easy. The way they took it and... And when they finished, it was to open a church building. When they finished, then the prophet came and said, Okay, you've given all this to the church, the work, and, but now it's time to give to me. <laughs> so when we went back to the office, I said to Bishop Zaki, You see, the prophetic is a beautiful gift, but it can point exactly to a particular instance. But the pastor, he's with you every Sunday. Okay, let's turn our Bibles. The art of shepherding. The reason why, this pastor, what does he do for me? Because the prophet gives you a direct word. You see, oh, your business, your marriage, your and all the things are to do with you. But my God said, when he reads Lamentations, Hosea, and this, he doesn't see that it's about people. Though. It's about God, His judgment, the seasons. The, but, but this one is personal word. So the pastor who prayed with you, the pastor who taught you the way that today your life is another way, you don't appreciate him more. You appreciate that prophet who say, I see two dwarfs following you. <laughs> For I know this, Paul knew, it was a fact, that after my departing, when I leave, shall grievous, another verse says, ravenous wolves, enter in among you, not sparing the flock. After three years of ministry work, this is what he was leaving. He had to leave them for the ravenous wolves to come. Because if you want to teach birds how to fly, you have to let them leave the nest. You can't be overprotective. So the only thing that he could leave them was that they should take it to themselves and that they should be fed. Amen. Next verse. Also of your own selves 
shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples. Not just people, disciples. After them. After my departing, first of all, grievous wolves will come and they will not spare the flock. Then secondly, people will rise up from amongst us, the fifth column, not from somewhere else. And they will speak perverse things. And then they will draw disciples. People will follow and copy them after them. 31. Therefore, watch. Christians are not watching. We are just living. We are just asleep. Jesus said, watch and pray. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let me show you a way out. Pray therefore. But people like to say, oh, let me I said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So this one, you can He said, pray therefore. Therefore, watch. And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone, night and day, three years times 365, every day he was warning them with tears, and yet this would happen. So I realized that our God is actually prophetic, because I get worried about the spiritual climate and the state of the church of God and all that. And when I saw this, I said, watch therefore and remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone, night and day with tears. 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. When he said, three years I've been with you, every night I minister to you, Every day I minister to you. And I do it with tears because I can see the things that are coming in this world. I can see the things that you are going to go through. I see not. Therefore, watch. Watch for these signs. Watch for the ravenous wolves. Watch for the men who will draw them after you with perverse speakings. Watch. And remember... Remember. And then after all that, I was asking God, so what is the way out? And then he led me to this passage and then this verse. And now, brethren, I leave you in the hands of God and to the word of his grace. The word. The word. Remember, the two men built houses, but the other one survived because of the foundation. And the Bible says that foundation is Christ who is the Word. The Word. So Paul in leaving, he could have said, let me set up committees, let me set up people who will fight the things that are coming, let me set up people who will fight the wolves, let me... And now brethren, after I've finished speaking, parting words, I commend you to God. So now when I pray, I say, God, I commend this person to you. I commend these children to you. I commend this person to you and to the word of your grace. And to the word of his grace. 
Why the word? Because it says, which is able to build you up. It is necessary to be built up. You can't stay as a midget all your life. He keeps stressing. Feed the flock. I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to keep you. What keeps us is the word of God, which we don't know. Even people who say they know the word, when there's a slight twist, they don't see it. When things are said that are off color, you should know that this one is not scripture. The Bible says there's going to be a time when there will even be, will be forbidden to marry. People will be told to abstain from certain meats. But you don't know that. So when it starts happening, how will you know? We paid a visit in Sao Paulo to Solomon's temple. They have tried to copy the temple Solomon built. It's a tourist attraction. It cost the church, Universal Church of God, Universal Church. It cost them $200 million. They brought cut stones from Israel to build that edifice. And they have done the outer court, Solomon's porch, the inner court, the holy of holies, then they wear the high priest garment, just like it has been described in the New Testament. With all the platelets and the... That's how they are doing there. And somebody told me that the pastors are taken from... Well, the pastors are there. I don't know whether... Are taken from like refugee places, asylum, abused children, and then they work on them. And by the age of 17, they are pastors. So it's very young boys, and they all wear red ties. So I said to them, one or two, that, are you a pastor? He said, yes. And how old are you? 18. I said, when did you come in? At 17. So wow, I see. Then our guide is also working, wearing all the mosaic things, and he shows us around. Very beautiful very insightful tour. And after, somebody tells me, they all have to perform vasectomies because they say that having children hinders the ministry. So, and then when they leave, when some of them leave the church, they go and sue the church in Sao Paulo for not letting them have children by a certain age because they were made to have vasectomies. Then the church says, we just encourage you, but we don't force you to do it. So after the tour, beautiful temple, in the temple itself, you are not allowed to take pictures. Then I asked the guy standing by me, I said, so do you have children? No. And I said, oh, why? Because I heard, I wanted to see. I said, oh, why? He said, because it will hinder God's work. And I said, in what way? He said, oh, for instance, I was in one country for 16 years, and then I never thought that I would be transferred, but I was called to be transferred. Can you imagine if I had children, then I had to pack them, look for schools and things. So to save God, I had to I say, eh. So did God say that to you? He says, oh no, I mean, that's something I believe. I said, eh. But baby Jesus, he was carried by his mother and father to Egypt. So, so what you are saying, you have to think about it a bit more. What I'm saying is, you see, sometimes we think that when we are doing a good thing, the way we do it does not matter. But you may be doing a good thing, but the way you are doing it may not be scriptural. God may have talked about sacrifice, but the way you are playing it out may not be. I said that so. 
That's your bishop, the overall. Does he have children? He said yes. I said, how many? He said, two daughters. And they are also married to bishops in the church. I said, ah. Anyway, remember that Mary and Joseph, they did not leave Jesus. They traveled it. It did not hinder Jesus becoming the Savior of the world. So think about it. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. I don't, if, I don't count myself as somebody who knows the word. I count myself as somebody who has a lot to learn. But at least, if I see something, I should be able to go to the Bible to find out if those things are so. Paul's parting words. He didn't leave them money. He didn't leave them business strategies. He didn't leave them a strong talk that, you know, remember the things and don't. No. He said, watch. Remember. And then after all the things, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. And He tells us why. Why? Which is able to build you up. It's time to develop your spiritual muscles. Some of you sisters, you say, I want to marry a man with six packs. He has six packs, but spiritually, he has no muscles. But the word of God, the word of his grace, is able to build us up. Do you know why we have to be built up? Because the Bible says, if you faint in the time of adversity, then your strength is small. And when you are built up, your strength will not be small. So whether rather not wolves, whether people who rise up from amongst you, because you are built up, you are not easily blown around. And you are not easily affected. So the church has to go back to intimacy with God. The church has to go back to building up itself by the word of God, the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. You don't get built up in a day. You see me, I don't like uh, the sun. So many years ago, I started to play golf. When I saw the sun, I said, hey. And people are walking in briskly. My husband and Bishop Saki, I started with them. They'll come and walk. But I said, hey, this hot sun. And I will come with my stroll because I cannot. And then I, I, I decided, okay, maybe golf is not for me. So let me go and sign up to the gym. I signed up. The woman said, so how many weeks or how many months do you want to sign up? I said, you know, I'm not thinking about it properly. And she said, oh, there are 15 walk-ins. So you can pay for that. The way you feel that you like it, then you come. I paid. The receipt is on my, this is for some years now. I have not darkened the doorway of the gym. But thank God that with the word, I can build myself up on my most holy faith. Amen. So this is not whether you like Jim, whether you have God. This is across board. Building up yourselves to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. And not only that, to give you an inheritance. It means that after all is said and done, we will cross the finishing line and we will inherit whatever we have to inherit because of the word of His grace. It's able to build you up. And when you get built up like that, it gives you an inheritance. You don't have to work at it. Among them that are sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. But for us to reach the finishing line, to make it to the end, is the word of His grace. 
Even Satan knew the word. When he came to Jesus, he quoted scripture. He said it is written. He said, fully, uh, uh, you will give his angels charge concerning you. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan quoted to Jesus the word. Jesus Christ the word. He was not afraid to quote the word to Jesus. And Jesus also says, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord. So you are using scripture, Satan, but you are using it in another way. And that's what's happening in the church of God. Scriptures are being used in another way. Somebody can stand up in the Bible and teach how they turn into deers, kangaroos, and then they will use Old Testament to reinforce the fact. And Christians believe it. Paul said, I do not abuse my power in the gospel. But many people abuse the power in the gospel. There's a certain power the gospel gives you and it's abused. But you don't know that, so you just flow. But in parting, I commend you to God. Because He's Almighty. He's the one who can keep us. The Bible says we are kept by the power of God. Look at Jesus when he was born. Today this. Tomorrow Herod says he's doing census. The next time he's killing all two year olds. How can you keep yourself? Only God can keep you. And God guided them. God guided them. Wise men, don't go back so that Herod will not know. Joseph, take the baby. Go into Egypt. I will tell you when Herod has died, then you return. And when they went into Egypt, they didn't know that all two year old boys were going to be massacred. So only God can keep us. Only God knows everything. That's why Paul said, And now brethren, and I'm saying tonight to you, I commend you to God. And then secondly, I commend you to the word of His grace. Let's get back to the Bible. Even if you listen to a message, it's powerful. But meditate on the scriptures. Don't just, don't just let it go. Don't just say it was a powerful word. Most people say, oh, it was a powerful word. When I heard the word, they say, oh, it was powerful. <laughs> Nothing. And it is said that whatever we hear, Bishop Saki always says, we hear only 11%. But if we meditate on it, it becomes a part of us. It's like food. It turns into muscle. And then we are built up. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. Start to develop an interest in God's word. The word of God is sometimes like beer. You remember when you were in the world? The first time you drank it, you felt that it was bitter. But later on, you acquired a taste. Some people are smiling, knowing smiles. May the Lord deliver you from going back to Egypt. In the same way, as you study the word, as you do your quiet time, as you listen to messages, but with the scriptures also in mind, we will build up ourselves. And in spite of all the forces raging around us, God will keep us and God will deliver his church in Jesus' name. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900.
You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.